you need help getting Social Security Disability Benefits, then this podcast is for you. Give me 15 minutes and I'll pull back the curtain on disability and reveal the secrets to winning I've learned over the past 25 plus years. Hi, I'm Jonathan Ginsberg and I'm a practicing Social Security Disability Lawyer. I want to help deserving claimants just like you win the benefits you deserve and not one penny less. Now, if you already know you need help today, go to ssdanswers.com for a free and confidential evaluation of your case. It takes just two minutes. That's ssdanswers.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Now, let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Social Security Disability Law Podcast. And today, I want to talk about seven activities you should avoid you should avoid when waiting for your social security disability case to be heard by a judge while your case is pending. And it can be a two to three year process. I know that's a ridiculously long amount of time, but during that time, uh, you're not expected just to sit at home, but there are certainly activities that you should be very careful about doing because judges are going to ask about these. And if they see that you're doing some of these activities, they're going to look like you, it's going to look like you are working or doing something equivalent to work, and that can hurt your case. So here's some examples of things. I came up with seven things that I think you should avoid uh, when waiting for your case to come to a hearing. Number one, I think you should avoid attending classes, college classes, um, even non-credit classes, because if you think about it, going to school, that requires attention, concentration, focus persistence, pace, reliability. So if you can go to school, even if you're going four or five hours a day, that says to the judge that you have the reliability, the concentration, the capability of sticking to something that is a at least several month type of endeavor. What would stop you from working a simple entry-level kind of job? So going to school, even online classes, I find can hurt your case. And again, I understand that you don't want to be bored during this two to three year period while you're waiting. But if you go to school and you're doing it under some organized fashion, you're getting credit for it, that will most likely hurt your case. Number two, if you are doing any sort of uh, care of your lawn, cutting the grass, tending your yard, that kind of sounds like an entry-level landscaping job, and it brings into brings to mind someone pushing a heavy lawnmower, using big clippers to cut branches, and that may not be what you're doing at all. But if you're regularly tending your lawn and you're doing it every week, especially in the summertime, every week or every two weeks, then the judge is going to look at you and say, well, you've obviously got the strength to push a lawnmower, to cut grass, to get on your knees, to kneel, to stoop, to bend, to crawl on the ground, to dig things out, and you can do it on a regular basis. What about something that's maybe not quite as physical, but again, requires you to do it on a regular basis and to be reliable? So that is why I think tending your lawn can be conceived, it can be considered as a problem. And so you should avoid doing that because if you testify that you're taking care of your lawn, you're basically saying that you have the capacity to do other things as well. Number three, if you're engaged in caring for others, this would be children. This could be caring for an elderly person. This could even be caring for pets. That basically says that you have 
organization, reliability, that other people felt you were responsible. And again, there are jobs out there, a daycare worker or being a sitter for an adult or being a pet walker or, or pet watcher. These are all jobs that exist. So if you can do it for your family, then why couldn't you do it for for pay? And the other thing, especially if you're if it's an, if it's a relative, let's say it's a young children that you're taking care of, your grandchildren, or if it's an elderly person you're taking care of that's a relative, the judge might conclude that you are in fact doing work that you would otherwise would be doing, but you're claiming disability so you can get paid for doing something that your family is not willing to pay you for. So again, I've had people say, well, I just sit with my elderly aunt who's got dementia. Well, yes, that's true, but somebody decided, your your relatives decided you're responsible. So if, if your, your elderly relative uh, needed to eat something, you're going to make the food. If they needed uh, personal care, getting dressed or using the restroom, you would help with that. If there was an emergency, you would call 911. So these are all things that uh, basically say you are responsible, you're capable of doing uh, things for other people, why couldn't you do it in a paid uh, situation? Because a lot of these jobs do require physical capacity. And and I've also had cases where people uh, have large dogs. I remember I had a case one time where my client had three large, I think they were golden retrievers. These were 80-pound dogs. And my client was walking the dogs and washing the dogs and taking care of the dogs. And the judge is like, look, you're taking care of, you know, three 80-pound dogs who can be boisterous and rambunctious. Why couldn't you do a simple uh, surveillance system monitor type of job. So if you're taking care of dogs, you know, you don't want the judge to conclude that you're basically sitting at home doing something that you would otherwise be doing. But again, you're doing it, you're trying to get paid for it, saying you're disabled when in fact you, you have the capacity to maintain attendance, reliability, that others are relying on you to do these things. So again, if you have a small dog and you let the dog out once or twice a day, I don't think that's a big problem. But again, anything you do that shows that you are organized, you're reliable, you can be dependent upon, that says that maybe you could do the same thing for pay at a simple entry-level job. So you want to make sure you discuss with your attorney how you describe what you do so you can give the judge a very accurate understanding of what exactly it is you do. Because you you get to a hearing and the judge says, well, tell me what you do. And you, well, I just, you know, I I walk the dog occasionally or I'm, you know, I'm caring, you know, my kids just, they come home from school and I sit there and they do their homework. Well, you want to go into more detail. What exactly are you physically doing? What are you, are you helping with homework? Are you helping uh, cook, giving him a snack? What exactly are you doing? You want to prepare for that. Practice your testimony so you can paint a very, very clear picture so that the judge understands this is not equivalent to a job. That is really the key. Okay, so I've gone through the first three things. I'm going to go through the next four after the break, uh, but I hope you start to get an idea about uh, the importance of really um, limiting your activities to what you can do, and that if you do things that are Again, you're going to be you're, you're you're not expected to not live a life. You're going to you're going to go shopping. You're going to do things, but you describe in a very particular and precise way exactly what you do. So I'll be back in just a second, and we'll go through numbers four through seven. Don't know where to begin? Get my free Secrets to Getting Approved Survival Kit. Inside the kit, I discuss such things as how do you know if you have a case what to do if you're denied, how to avoid common mistakes, and my ever-popular 
how to avoid trick questions from the judge. Subscribing is free and easy. Just visit ssdanswers.com and look for the survival kit for instant access. Remember, time is eroding your position every day. Don't delay. Act now. That's ssdanswers.com for your free survival kit. Okay, I am back, and we're going to continue our discussion about the seven activities you should avoid while waiting for your Social Security Disability case to come up for a hearing. So I've talked about the first three things, attending classes, uh, cutting the grass or attending to your yard, caring for others, the first three. Number four would be doing activities, working on your computer. And again, everybody's got a computer, and a lot of people, they go on Facebook or they respond to email, and that's not inherently a problem. But if it looks like you're spending hours on your computer, then the judge in his mind or her mind is going to say, well, that sound, kind of sounds like a data entry job or some sort of a monitoring job. So if you testify that you're on Facebook for three or four hours a day or that you respond to email on a regular basis and you surf the net all the time or you're playing games or you're you're doing paying your bills all online and you basically got a computer up and, and running the whole day long and you're basically on it all day long, um, that could be a problem. You need to go to great pains to explain how many minutes and that's specific. You're, you're, you're able to be on the computer for five to seven minutes and you get a headache or your fingers cramp up or you lose concentration. But you don't want to say, I'm just piddling around on the computer. I'm spending, you know, I've got it open in my, my, my bed. I'm, I'm watching TV and watching the computer. Judges look at computer work and they say, again, they see data entry. They see um, other types of uh, minimal jobs that require minimal level of attention and concentration, but you're online doing certain things. Uh, um, so if you are on the computer, you want to make sure that you discuss with your attorney how to describe exactly what you do, how long you do it, and why it is not equivalent to work. So being on the computer can be a problem if it's more than just kind of incidental. And by the way, I've had cases that have been denied because people have been publishing blogs. I see this a lot in fibromyalgia cases. People publish blogs describing what they're going through. And if you look online, type in a blog for just about any condition, heart patient blog, fibromyalgia blog, chronic pain blog, back pain blog. People blog about this stuff and they talk about what they're going through, the treatment, the frustration they have. If you can maintain a blog, then many judges conclude, well, you could maintain a job. And even though they're not supposed to do it, don't be surprised if a judge types your name into a search engine and see what comes up. And this can happen on Facebook. It can happen on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. So if you're active online, social media, you're blogging, you're writing, you're putting articles out there, you're putting photos out there, be aware that somebody could look at that and say, you know what, your activities – a picture's worth a thousand words. Your activities look like they are equivalent to work. So be very, very careful about that. I even tell people uh, to go on to, if they have a LinkedIn account, LinkedIn's kind of a social network for business, put that you're inactive. You don't want to show that you are looking actively looking for work and you're ready to start work tomorrow or that you're still employed. Even though that may be outdated, 
sometimes if a judge was to look at that and it looks like you are ready to go, uh, that is inconsistent with your saying, well, I'm in too much pain to work. If your LinkedIn says you're ready for uh, ready to go to work. So just be aware that you have a digital life as well as your real life. And you want to take real good care to look at that to see what it says about you. Uh, photos. That's another thing. I've had cases. I remember one case where I had a client coming terrible back pain. There's a picture of her climbing this large wall. I think it was a climbing wall of some type. And again, I, I don't think the judge saw that, but I saw it. And I brought it to her. I said, what is this all about? Oh, that was five or six years ago. Well, it was posted, you know, two months ago. So, you know, what's the deal? And, you know, she was able to, I, I think we, I was convinced that in fact, this was, was an older picture, but the point is, is that if a judge was to look at that, uh, that would have been a real problem for her case. So just be aware that you have a digital life and that can exist independent of your real life and paint a very, very different picture of your capabilities. Um, number five, um, I'll, I'll put this under the general rubric of housekeeping, um, things like vacuuming, um, cooking meals, going shopping. Judges, if they if they ask you what you do and you say you're you basically manage the house and you're cooking meals, three meals a day, or you're doing a lot of vacuuming and folding and washing and laundry and dusting and shopping and all that stuff, it sort of looks like you have capacity to work. So, and, and vacuuming is one of these strange things that for some reason judges seem to think that vacuum cleaners are these, you know, 50 pound uh, pieces of machinery that are just a real pain to push around. But for some reason, judges feel if, many judges feel if you can vacuum that you could do some sort of a housekeeping type of job. So you want to describe your activities truthfully and accurately, but describe them specifically as to what you do. So if you fold laundry and it takes you 45 minutes to fold five or 10 minutes worth of laundry, make sure you explain that to the judge. If you go to the grocery store, but you have to sit in that cart and drive around on the electric cart, you want to explain that. But if you simply say, I go shopping, then the judge in the judge's mind, well, do you, how do you get the groceries home? Do you, you drive to the store? Do you pick up the, the groceries and bring them into your house? How much do they weigh? All these things you have to sort of think about what the judge is going to conclude by your statement that, yes, I go shopping. So it's much different to say I go shopping with the help of my adult child, my adult son. Um, he drives. We typically go at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when nobody's really there. Um, I use the cart or I'll, I'll brace on the, the – I'll use the riding cart. I'll brace on a, a push cart. My son lifts all the heavy stuff. Um, I just decide what we're going to do, what we're going to buy. If I've got the money, I buy it. When we come home, he brings it in. I don't bring anything in. He puts it away. I don't put it away. I don't have to lift anything. I don't have to reach overhead to put it away. That's a very different story than I go shopping, I drive, and I bring the groceries in. It sounds like you're doing something that's equivalent to work. And a judge, many judges are looking to to find you sort of admitting and I don't, I, I, maybe it's a little strong to say they're trying to catch you, but they're trying to get you to acknowledge or to talk about what you really do. Um, especially if you're, if you're trying to say you can't really lift anything more than four or five pounds, but you're lifting, you know, 10 pound bags of sugar and eight pound, um, gallons of milk, things like that. So just what you say kind of as, as a general conversation can contradict what you claim in terms of your capacity. So as you prepare for your hearing, you want to make sure that you're very consistent in all of that. Um, number six, volunteering. And I don't see this very often, but every once in a while, somebody will be a volunteer. They volunteer at their kid's school. They volunteer uh, at the snack bar at the football games or baseball games. 
And if you do something on a regular basis, you volunteer and you've got to be there, your attendance is, 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 is required at a certain time, you've got to be reliable, you're required to make change, you're required to operate a cash register, that starts to look like you're a cashier. That starts to look like an entry-level type of job. So you want to make sure that if you do any of that stuff that you describe specifically how long you can do it for, the limitations you have, the help you need, and exactly what you do. But volunteering, if you're not getting paid, it can still be substantial gainful activity and disqualify you from disability. And number seven, if you drive a car on a regular basis, um, and judges ask about this because they'll ask you, how did you get to the hearing today? Well, I drove. Where do you live? 45 minutes away. Well, you know, if traffic, like I'm in Atlanta, and traffic in Atlanta is terrible. It's very stressful. You've got to be focused and con- use a lot of focus and concentration, you know, to be in a car for 45 minutes or an hour and to navigate through highways and exits and red lights and traffic and beeping horns and all the distractions and, and all that. That says you have the capacity to multitask, to maintain attention and concentration, focus. You can plan. Uh, you're reliable. You're operating a, a dangerous piece of equipment, but you're able to do that. So again, could you be a courier? Could you do something less demanding, but again, something that does require a certain level of concentration, focus, reliability, uh, and so forth. So driving, it's okay if you drive incidentally, and people will say, you know, I drive to the drugstore, drive to the doctor, maybe five or 10 minutes, but some days I have to have somebody drive me because I, I don't feel good about it, I don't feel comfortable, I can't drive at night, I have difficulty seeing, I can't turn my head. Uh, whatever the problems are, you can describe those in detail, but you want to practice that. But just to say, yes, I drive, what does that mean? Because if the judge feels that you're able to just get up and go whenever you want and drive someplace, that is not consistent with being unable to do anything at all in a work environment. So those are the seven activities, um, attending classes, tending your yard, caring for others, uh, working on a computer, dealing with your house, maintaining your house, and shopping, volunteering, and driving. These are things that can trip people up and it can result in a denial, uh, even though these things may not really represent your true capacity to work. But if you don't explain them properly, a judge could draw that uh, incorrect conclusion and deny your case. You want to be very, very careful. Practice how you testify about those things so that you give an accurate and complete and truthful picture. That's it for this episode. I'll talk to you next time around. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Subscribe to this podcast for regular updates at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this podcast useful, then please give me a five-star review because it helps others see the value of my information. Thank you in advance. For a 100% free and confidential evaluation of your case, visit ssdanswers.com that's ssdanswers.com don't delay act now